broadcast for a live news bulletin. Look in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. Aha, made you look. Hey, stud. It's time for the XJ Talk Show. Now, here's my two favorite boys, Tony and Josh. <laughs> Josh, I looked up at the ceiling. You got me. <laughs> I figured it was uh, apropos for the uh, release of the uh, new Superman movie. So I figured, hey, why not? We'll have some fun with it. Hey, guys, how you doing? This is episode 84 of the XJ Talk Show. I am Josh, and he is Tony. Yes, I am. And uh, we're here because of XJTalk.com, which is uh, the pre- premier website for Jeep Cherokees. Uh, and, you know, some fun, some, some shenanigans, but mainly Jeep Cherokees. So uh, we're here to uh, help promote that website and also to entertain a little bit here with the uh, podcast. And we'll do our best as far as the entertaining goes. Uh, sometimes we'll yuck it up. Sometimes we get a little serious with some technical stuff. we got a jam-packed show for you guys tonight. Uh, got a, uh, This Week in Jeep, of course. Got some voicemails to play with you. Of course, we're going to play some Amazon You Bought What. We haven't done that in a while, so we figured we'd treat you guys. And uh, going to have some more stuff uh, coming up later in the show. Yes, yes. Uh, I think you'll like the Jeep tips. Uh, I know I personally have. It's uh, been a, a long, uh, arduous uh, journey for me, and uh, I think I have uh, finally hit a solution which will make a really big difference in my ability to uh, take the Jeep to off-road places, Josh, which I'm really looking forward to. Man, that's been a long time coming, buddy. It really has. And I'll, I'll tell you this real quick. Um, Matt, you uh, M. Smorenberg from uh, xjtalk.com. I was told today uh, when I called him when I was doing a little work outside on my Jeep, he said, "Uh, did you see the pictures I posted up on xjtalk.com? And I said, "Uh, no. And he said, "Uh, I dented the Jeep when I took it off road this Uh past weekend. I think he took off a mirror and dented one of the doors. Oh boy, did he flop it? No, no, it just, uh, uh, I'm sure he was off, I'm sure it was uh, tilted, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a flop, but uh, I think he, he was trying to push a tree, and the tree pushed back, and it pushed him into something, and uh, so anyway, he's going to be looking for another door. (laughs) Jeez, well, sometimes, uh, sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. I told him I was very disappointed in him. Yeah, (laughs) that's not going to buff out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you know Matt, he'll take care of it. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, let's get going. Uh, You know, uh, (laughs) one of the things that I've been fighting with here, um, I had noticed that just driving down the road, occasionally my my 33-inch by 12.5s would uh, rub on the wheel wells, just taking a a good bump, at uh, a dip at a a pretty good speed. And I thought, you know, this ain't going to fly off-road. And uh, I, I was going to either burn the damn thing, or uh, if it got fixed, I was going to take it off-road. So uh, I was assuming that I was going to get it fixed, since I usually fix things. <laughs> and so uh, I decided to go from the 4.5-inch uh, uh, Rough Country lift to the 6.5-inch Rough Country lift. And uh, in the process, I uh, developed uh, some pretty good vibrations on the drivetrain. Now keep in mind, I do have a, a slip yoke eliminator uh, kit. One of the good ones from Tom Woods. Ooh, yeah, that is a good one. Yeah. And uh, so I know that with, when you do an SYE, um, you just really need to point the pinion at the output of the transfer case. Yep. And it's really hard to see when you're under the Jeep. I mean, I guess maybe if it was lifted two feet, then I'd be able to see the drive line better. But it's yeah. kind of hard to get on that 
that level where you can just kind of look at it. So what I did today was my goal for today was to take the drive shaft out and um, put something straight in between to try to get a, a ballpark idea where, where it was pointing. All right. And after um, having to add the um, sh- uh, shock relocator brackets from Ironman uh, Andy, uh, Ironman4x4fab.com, um, to actually get the the full lift in the rear like I was hoping for, to actually get that six and a half in the back, um, it really, uh, that's when the vibes got a little worse. And now the vibrations I was only seeing but between about 50 and 55 miles an hour. So anyway, um, I took the drive shaft out, took a yardstick, and uh, kind of ballparked it on the on the yoke to see if I could get an idea where it was pointing. And I was pointing about four inches above the yoke on the transfer case. That seems pretty steep. Yeah, and uh, and it was then when I kind of looked at the uh, at the uh, the Chrysler eight point two five differential, the pumpkin, and I noticed that it was pretty pretty twisted too. But anyway, we'll get we'll get more into that here in our Jeep tip segment. I want to tell you what I found out, and uh, I I seem to remember something Rough Country may have said or something I had read, and it just you know a year two years later I forgot about it. But we'll we'll get to that. Also, too, the other thing uh, I want to talk about uh, as far as my side of things go uh, is the uh, my cooling system. I've been uh, fighting about uh, five years worth of uh, cooling system issues. Um, on the, uh, it really manifested itself more on the highway than anywhere else, uh, driving down the road, uh, at speed, uh, 65, 70 miles an hour. I would, uh, gradually, uh, work my way up to, uh, well, approaching two thirty, And, uh, that's, just not comfortable for me, no. especially being, you know, several miles away from home. So, uh, I've been, uh, fighting that issue for a while and, um, Thanks to a uh, another website, a posting on another website that one of our uh, xjtalk.com members sent me a PM about, uh, read through, and uh, it was a, an unusual post in as much as it, it actually had all this uh, documentation for the problem, but it also had the solution. <laughs> so most important part. Yeah, you know, uh, if you've ever searched a website, you know how 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 often that happens to you. you go, yes, that's my problem. That's exactly it. I did that too, and. That's it. <laughs> Nobody's posted since 2010. What the hell? The big letdown. <laughs> so it was great uh, getting that PM, and uh, I'll uh, I'll tell you about Jeep tips coming up uh, in a little bit. Uh, what happened and why I think it's fixed. Oh, you're such a tease. I like to think so. <laughs> so, do you have anything uh, for Jeep tips, uh, Josh? Oh, well, not so much uh, as far as the Jeep tips goes. Um, that is that's some uh, very interesting information that I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, about your Jeep. Um, as far as the driveline goes, uh, you know, I have a slip yoke eliminator. I don't have the fancy Tom Wood style. I've got a, uh, as many of you may know, I've got a 242 transfer case. So I'm not able to uh, really use the, the typical short shaft output kits that are out there. So I've got to use what's uh, typically known as the hack and tap. And I've been running it for for several years now, and it's um, I had I had my own interesting uh, ordeals putting that in, but that's another story. Uh, but I uh, I'm using a front drive shaft out of a ZJ that has been modified to fit uh, as far as length. It's been rebalanced and everything, and totally rebuilt. And uh, and that's that's served me quite well. And I am running a sh- uh, a set of shims in the back, but I think I'm only 
at like two degree. I might be three degree. I don't think I'm at four degrees. Um, but my uh, my uh, my driveline driveline vibrations are well basically non-existent. But uh, we can go over uh, a lot more of this kind of tech in our Jeep Tip segment. So look forward to that, guys. Man, I'm looking forward to no vibrations. I haven't test driven mine yet. So, uh, but but based on where it was uh, and where it is now, I think if if there's vibration, it ain't the driveline. But anyway, like like you said, we'll get to that here in a minute. <clears throat> I'm sorry, we'll get to that here in a minute. Oh, by the way, um, you can't see me, Josh, because we don't like using the bandwidth uh, to send video back and forth. You can see Josh. Uh, I actually was uh, scarfing down some uh, some food before uh, the show, and uh, basically I was making a doing those makeshift sandwiches with uh, some some roast beef that my wife had made, and mm. uh, grab a, you know grab three pieces of uh, bread and plop some ketchup in there and some. Uh, a uh, little hot sauce, uh, the the factory kind, you know, not the homemade kind, the factory kind, and mixed yeah. it up. And I was putting the the meat and the ketchup and the bread and folding it in half and chomping it down. And I got this big old honking piece of ketchup on my shirt. Oh, that's no good. So I had to go run, change it real quick, which is great because I fixed myself another uh, another glass of tea. I tell you what, walk working in the garage in June, uh, I'm sure I lost weight, but I'm probably gaining it back with the beef and all the tea I've been drinking here since I've uh, come into the house. But anyway, huh? You're breaking even. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm probably not. I'm probably on the the plus side. But anyway, the interesting thing, my point here is that, Josh, we're both wearing red t-shirts. Oh, is that right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't done eating, and I figured, worst case is, I dropped more ketchup on me. He won't show up as bad on a red (laughs) t-shirt. Oh, that was not planned, folks. (laughs) (laughs) First week in G. Well, guys, since we have such a jam-packed show for you guys tonight, I'm going to keep the uh, this week in Jeep tip or this week in Jeep a little short for you. There's some uh, some interesting stuff we've been talking about over the weeks. One of which is a massive recall that the Chrysler Corporation is looking at right now, which uh, includes well, primarily the uh, Jeep Grand Cherokees, the ZJs, and I think even some of the WJs are are loop, uh, lumped into this as well, but. Uh, it all stems basically from a, um, a a massive recall because there's been, at least to date, since uh, the manufacturer, I think it goes back to 92 or something along those lines, 51 people have died in, in rear-end collisions uh, where the gas tank is ruptured and fuel is caught on fire and, uh, and when, well, people have either been trapped and or died. Well, now the, uh, the NTHSB, or uh, N- N- NHTSA, rather, the uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. I always thought it was National uh, Highway Traffic Safety Board. Anyways, uh, the head of this group, uh, David Strickland, he's gone on record to defend the government's request now that Chrysler recalls this 2.7 million count of vehicles. And now this is, uh, I guess, uh, recently they have lumped the Jeep Liberty into this recall as well, something I didn't know until just today. So we're talking Grand Cherokees and Liberties across a massive year range, uh, totaling 2.7 million vehicles. Now, the NHTS, uh, NHTSA is saying that um, they're very, they feel very strongly about this. They've gone on record. Um, they want to make it official. And they're not saying, they're not going to the, so far to the point of uh, telling people they need to park their vehicles until this all gets sorted out. They're leaving it up to you guys to sort of make your own uh, make your own judgment call on that. Uh, but basically, this is sort of um, bringing the big dogs into the fight, as it were. 
Uh, Jeep is saying, well, that's all fine and dandy, but we're sticking by our claim that uh, this is all a bunch of hooey. Uh, That the the integrity, system integrity of the fuel systems on the Jeeps are just fine, that they were up to standards when they were manufactured. And that's the important part in this whole thing is, is when they were manufactured. Now, there may be stricter standards nowadays, but that, at least by law, is looking like at this point that it doesn't quite apply. So Jeep is saying, well, you guys can go pound sand. Um, we're still in the good. And it looks like this whole thing might end up going to court. Uh, but of course, you guys will uh, stay in the loop as we find out as far as this thing goes on. And in final news, uh, the Jeep Cherokee, the 2014 Jeep Cherokee, it's barely a Cherokee, but they're calling it a Cherokee. It's a Cherokee we all love to hate. And uh, even though they haven't released a final release date, at least they're releasing a price tag on this thing. It is $400 less, woohoo, uh, than the Liberty, which is the base model that uh, this vehicle is taking the place of. So the price tag, get ready for us, guys. $22,995. Just five bucks shy of $23,000 for the base model of the Cherokee. Now, there's going to be four platforms. Um, that being the, the base base model, $23,000 right, right off the bat. Um, I think there's uh, there's at least two uh, two others. Uh, the Cherokee Latitude is what they're calling it, which is a, the next step up from the Sport is going to be starting at twenty four thousand four hundred ninety five, so just shy of twenty five twenty five thousand. And then the Trailhawk. Now the Trailhawk is the uh, is is the interesting addition to this lineup because this is going to have a larger engine and be trail rated, uh, meaning it's going to have a little bit beefier of a suspension system and probably some armor underneath. Uh, the Trailhawk Grand Cherokee is looking extremely capable, so it looks like they're going to be cha- uh, carrying on this um, this line into uh, into the Cherokee platform. Uh, it's going to be in four x four only, and it's going to be available with a price tag of just under thirty thousand dollars. Oh boy, we're going to see how this price tag actually affects sales. If it was up to me; I wouldn't go near it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's what you know. When I uh, I mentioned the uh, the price tag, what I'd seen was the Trailhawk price, and uh, you know, I guess all in all, uh, it's not that bad. My um, '98 Jeep Cherokee with all the skids, factory skids, four wheel drive, yada yada yada, uh, was uh, twenty four thousand. You know, I've still got the actual original sticker, the actual dealership window sticker for the Cherokee uh, for my Cherokee when it was sold. Um, which has the nice little fancy build sheet that goes with it. Um, and I forgot what the price tag on it was, but I want to say it was right around twenty one to 23000 So, which is, you know, interesting looking at this Cherokee versus the Cherokee that I have out in the driveway right now. Um, it's such a, I mean, it's not even a comparison. Uh, you know, I'd take the one in the driveway any day of the week. <laughs> you know, I, I think I've made this point before. Uh, so if I have too bad, you're going to hear it again. Um, General Motors did a really pretty good job of recreating the Camaro. Yeah, you this, can, uh, this latest generation, I would agree with oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the ones in the 80s and stuff. They were kind of their own thing. But going back to looking at the, the muscle cars, the 67 uh, model uh, Camaro, you can see its roots in the new Camaros, and it's a ni- very nice styling. Absolutely. Uh, the, uh, what is it, the um, Challenger or Charger Challenger, is that right? No, oh, I'm both? thinking about the I'm thinking about the Barracuda. They did well, a, 
both the Challenger and the Charger, you can see some of its roots in in both the body lines of of those vehicles as well, and even same thing with the uh, um, the newer Mustangs. Yes. Yeah, yeah one thing, the, the new Corvette has got some Stingray-esque vibes to it. Yeah, the the Mustang, uh, they I forget when they came out with uh, with kind of more like the the '65 Mustang, but anyway, these car companies they see that there's this great huge interest in the cars of of yesteryear, and the Cherokees, the the non-grand Cherokees, have haven't been been gone that long. Uh, they didn't certainly weren't in the '60s. But they have this huge following, and you really have to wonder, with with these other car manufacturers coming out with some pretty good uh, recreations of the old vehicles, why it would take a brain fart such as this not to do the same thing with the Cherokee. I mean, how 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 many millions of people have owned a Cherokee and look at it fondly and would see this new recreation and go oh wow look at this but it's a it's a 2014 man it's it's updated and blah 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 it just seems like they missed the boat you know i can i can uh, sum that up with one word tony fiat the guys at fiat uh, i mean i think they're just so out of touch with the u.s market that that this was this is i think this is tailoring more to to a european to an Asian market, I think the selling point is going to be more focused around that. I, I I actually anticipate larger overseas sales numbers on the new Cherokee than I do U.S. sales. But maybe I'm just I could be you know high right now. I don't. I have no idea. But that that's the way I feel about it. I I could be a little prejudiced. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. It's it's like you say. It's the uh, the Jeep Cherokee we love to hate. <clears throat> Folks, if uh, you guys would like to chime in on this whole subject, I- I'd actually like to hear some of the uh, the XJ Talk Show listener base uh, chime in on, on what you guys think of all this. We've been talking about this new Cherokee for a while. We'd like to hear you guys uh, maybe just uh, rattle off an opinion or two about what you guys think of the price tag, the design, the styling, uh, you name it. Uh, give us a call to 530-675-4102. It's a 24-7 voicemail line. You guys can even shoot a text over that number. Again, it's 530-675-4102. Tell us what you think of the new Cherokee. Yes, please do. And uh, speaking of voice voicemails, we've got a, a couple from uh, the uh, that came in over the last week since our last show. And uh, let's get to them. Hey, this is Tony. And this is Josh from the XJ Talk Show. We want to thank you for calling our 24-7 voice line. Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the beep. Hey, this is Nikki G. And I got a problem with my Jeep this week. I had a little bit of a death wobble. I was uh, driving down the road and hit a pothole and started shaking violently. Spun out of control and ended up in a Hardee's parking lot. A few West Coast people, that's uh, Carl's Jr. And if you don't have a Hardy or a Carl's Jr., just think of it as a redneck Burger King. Anyhow, <laughs> so I spun out of control, ended up in the Hardy's parking lot. And my question is, do I want fries with that? All righty, guys, I will chat to you later. Have a good one. Hey, this is uh, Nikki G, and I just want to uh, apologize 
for the problems you had with the uh, website the other day. Uh, my wife gave me back my chainsaw, and I was cutting down the world's ugliest dogwood tree when it uh, fell on the power lines, plunging the Nikki G compound into darkness and uh, short-circuiting the interweb. So uh, it took me a while to get it back up running. So I was stumbling around in the kitchen trying to find my microwave in the dark. Uh, I had a burrito in there, and I didn't want it to burn. So anyhow, it's like everything's back to normal, up and running. And I'm sorry. I won't do it again. When will you learn that me and power tools do not mix? All right. I'll chat to you guys later. Goodbye. You know, I'm thinking Nikki uh, Nikki G uh, uses a lot of tin foil. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I completely forgot, and I think it's uh, me trying to put, uh, put put it out of my mind about the uh, site outage, which uh, I'll, I'll mention here briefly. Uh, yes. real, real quick, thanks a lot for the calls, Nikki G. Always entertaining. And, uh, again, you guys should get in on the uh, on the action. Questions, comments, uh, you don't have to be funny. Uh, <laughs> Nikki G was born funny, so it would be a hard act uh, to follow. But that uh, voicemail number is 530-675-4102. So anyway, we had a uh, uh, an outage, uh, internet outage, and that uh, happened around uh, midnight Friday morning Central Time. And it's not unusual for the uh, for the internet uh, to go down in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, I use uh, AT and T uh, for uh, internet service, and uh, I think they do some some maintenance on, on occasion. But uh, been with uh, AT and T. For probably a good ten years, first on uh, DSL and then uh, later on uh, the UVerse DSL, it moved over to UVerse just to get the higher bandwidth. And uh, it's been uh, we've been on the UVerse since uh, 2010, I believe, Josh. And uh, outages have been very few and very far between. Okay. So midnight uh, site went down. I figured it's just one of those things. I mean, I did some checking. I couldn't find anything that had anything to do with with uh, the the xjtalk.com equipment went, went to bed uh got up uh friday morning um uh, and, and i gotta say side note i think ihop uh, did a number on me because i was not sleeping very well last that that night and uh <laughs> i was not feeling very well uh but uh it, it was uh fortuitous because uh, I was on the phone off and on uh, from about 7 a.m. till 3.45 in the afternoon talking to AT&T. And the last five hours of that, I was just trying to get to the right person to explain to them that the IPs that they assigned to me were not being routed to my equipment. So my internet was up. But the IP addresses that, you know, go along with uh, the website, xjtalk.com and the xjtalk.com show and uh, even the J- Tony and Josh show, the, all those websites, uh, they are dependent on the IPs, that, that the static IPs that are assigned uh, by AT&T to me. Well, they did something to those static assignments because they weren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I hope you raised holy hell, Tony. I, I did. And... Uh, I literally spoke with 10 different people at AT&T 
And and by the time I got to about the eighth one, it was a supervisor and very nice, very understanding and a technical person. Oh, good. That helps a lot. Yep. He was able to get me over to, um, God, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's it's basically the third level support in AT and T. Well, that's almost a uh, engineer status at that point. Well, you'd think so, but I'm I'm not going to go into all that. But okay. uh, that's the that's the section. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Damn it! Um, that's the section where you have to pay. <laughs> Just to talk to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And they wanted to know uh, what operating system I was running on my on my desktop. So they could remote into it and work work on the problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. Even I don't exactly uh, feel good about that. Yeah, and I I went through the the whole gambit of operating systems and servers and so on and so forth. And fortunately, the technical guy that this supervisor had put me in contact with was able to translate to the girl at the pay service. And the reason why he was there was he wanted to know how much they were going to charge me because he was going to credit my bill. So basically balancing out the, the charge because the supervisor I spoke to understood this was not my problem. It was AT&T's, but I was going to have to pay to get this thing resolved. And it wasn't anything that I did. And it it took uh, me five hours to find somebody to listen to me and uh, understand what I was telling them was the right thing that they needed to take that book and throw it away. Yes. <laughs> that little script, you know, they, they read scripts. Just <laughs> yeah. They read scripts because I, after I went through a, uh, I'm, I'm going on on this. I'm going to wrap it up here real quick. Uh, after I had explained myself about the, the, the fifth or sixth time uh, with that is as many number of people, there was a brief pause. I, I explained the whole situation. There was a be- brief pause, and the guy says, "Are you trying to access a gaming website?" Ah, uh. because in his script, it—I'm sure it has something to do with port forwarding. Because you know, some games—I don't think he says website. Are you trying to access a game? Is probably what he meant. Because some some games you have to have certain ports open through your firewall with port forwarding and so on and so forth so you can access the game so he he's thinking that maybe the problem i'm having is i'm trying to play a game online a multiplayer game and that's and and if he can just ask me the right question he'll fix all this i i I literally uttered the words for the love of god will you get a supervisor on the phone (laughs) so anyway um That that is rough so anyway, by 3.45, they had uh, realized that the, there was a, an issue with the IPs that I had, was assigned. They were not being routed uh, to my equipment, and they fixed it by uh, uh, increasing the number of IPs, static IT, IPs that were assigned to me, and then putting it back the way it was. Because they don't have people that actually type things in on the equipment. They have software so whenever they put an order in, the software takes care of the, the static IP mapping. Okay, now here's the fun part. When they oh, did better. Yeah. Oh, when okay. they did that, it assigned all new IP addresses. So whenever you have a URL like www.xjtalk.com, 
in DNS, domain name server, there's a, this whole huge thing, part of the network. It's the major part of the internet. It translates that name into, an, into a, a number, a series of numbers that computers like. They changed all my numbers. So xjtalk.com, the numbers that the computers go whenever you type that in, it couldn't get to the site anymore. I had new numbers. And do you know that whenever you, and I had to make a bunch of changes to the equipment by putting on all the new numbers and and all the different websites that, that we have. And do you know how long it takes for that information to propagate out? Up to 72 hours. Oh, man. Now, don't think that I didn't explain all these details to the fine folks at AT&T that were willing to listen. So anyway, we had a, an outage. It, it can go quickly. It just really depends on your, your ISP. It, it, they have the ability to set uh, how often they check for DNS updates. And uh, some people were able to get on quicker than others. Uh, I saw people on uh, three hours after the DNS changes had been made. And uh, we, are, we are still not up to the levels we were at prior. Anyway, so uh, talked about that longer than I expected, but it was uh, something that was very near and dear to my heart and very upsetting to me because um, it is our goal not only to uh, inform and entertain, but to make sure that the site that you're trying to get to is there. And, uh, you know, there were some people that thought that they had problems with their equipment because xjtalk.com is, is there so much. It's never yep. down. Yeah. So my sincere apologies. It is, uh, uh, was nothing that I had any control over uh, with the exception of choosing AT&T some three years ago. <laughs> but in their defense, the, the service is good. I don't have to call them very often, but, man, when I do, it is hell on a stick. Well, let me be the first to say, Tony, that I am I'm very glad that uh, that our beloved XJTalk.com is in such good hands uh, with its owner and somebody who who really knows how to handle this kind of situation and get it taken care of. Because I know that if I was in charge of this sort of thing, there's a very good chance that XJTalk.com and all of the other related sites would probably still be down. Well, I think the majority of people don't run their own servers, and uh, they would have been screaming at the uh, the service that they were paying for to get it fixed. So you would hope that uh, uh, they would handle that better, but uh, I don't know. I've never done it. Uh, never done it that way. I think Naxja and uh, Jeep forums and all the rest of those things they all use a, a, a service. So uh, that that may, might be why they're a little little bit faster than us. Amazon.com and the XZ Talk Show present You Bought What? Boy, they've been buying, Josh. Yes, they have. Well, you guys have. You guys have uh, really outdone yourselves. We thought you guys came through for us uh, during the holiday season. I was sadly mistaken, and I want to say thank you, folks, for going over to XJTalk.com or the XJTalkShow.com uh, and clicking on our Amazon banner which takes you guys straight over to Amazon.com where you can do all your regular online shopping, except Amazon has agreed to go ahead and give us a small pittance for your guys' purchases. You don't pay a single dime more, but we get a little something-something on the tail end, and we get to play a game with it because they also share with us what you guys have purchased. Yep, let's get into this. Um, I like this creepy zombie dead horror gothic embroidered iron-on applique. Oh, that's a patch. I was thinking this was like a shirt or something. 
Well, you know, that's funny you mentioned that because um, down here in one of our other um, other categories, and boy, there's a lot of categories uh, this time around. In the sports and outdoors, we actually have a T-shirt, which is a zombie outbreak containment with skull T-shirt, size large. It's amazing how interested zo- people are in zombies. You know, it started around the 60s, and it was just kind of, uh, pardon the pun, it was just kind of dead for a number of years. And then, <laughs> and then it's really exploded. Uh, I think it did. It exploded even before the Walking Dead series came on. Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, let's see. Uh, we've got a, a rather substantial automotive section here. Um, we've got, uh, geez, somebody buying a, a very large portion of a Jeep Cherokee. This is uh, for a late model Cherokee. This is the 97 to 2001 Cherokee range. Uh, they bought a Cherokee grill, a black header panel. Uh, so that is basically the entire uh, entire portion that the you know the headlight screw into and the grill, that whole fascia right there. Uh, that's a very large package getting dropped off on somebody's front porch. Yeah, you know Matt uh, uh, Smorenberg bought uh, bought that because the one that was on his '97 was cracked, and uh, he it was um, I don't know about this one, but but the one that he got was. Um, it wasn't fiberglass; it was plastic, and he was concerned that it wasn't going to display the paint as well as the fiberglass one from the factory. So he well, literally fixed the fiberglass one and uh, painted it. I, I must say, I've actually um, felt the difference. Um, I've had both in hand: the plastic ones that you can get for you know seventy-two dollars online, uh, and then I've felt the ones that cost nearly two hundred dollars. And there's a massive difference between the plastic and the fiberglass ones. Uh, whether or not the lines match up, uh, you know, I never actually mounted them, but there is a huge difference just in the feel, the rigidity, and the strength between the fiberglass uh, style and the plastic style. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, you're, uh, if you're not overly concerned about how the paint shows and uh, you're just taking it off-road or you just don't care, it's a great cheap alternative, and it certainly is uh, better than not having anything there, but Remember that whenever you're looking uh, for the header panels, that uh, don't just assume that uh, the uh, the plastic ones are, are necessarily as good as the uh, the more factory units. Well, Tony, why don't you uh, why don't you take this awesome chunk of Smitty built gear we have here? Okay, so somebody looks like they were uh, buying a bunch of stuff up for their winch because uh, uh, the the big item here is uh, a, a Smitty built XRC eight which is the 8,000-pound winch. And it looks like they got a Smittybilt uh, universal snatch block, a uh, Smittybilt license plate mount bracket for the roller fairlead. If you're not familiar with those, I think everybody is. Basically, it allows you to uh, pop the license plate uh, onto your uh, uh, fairlead rollers and, and hold it there. I personally uh, made my own with uh, some Magalite uh, brackets and uh, some sheet metal. Uh, yeah, that's tip right there yeah it, it worked out really nice uh and i, I probably i probably didn't spend as much because I, I don't know how much this one was but they're, they're usually about 50 bucks uh but it would have been cheaper just to buy one as far as time goes but but oh, i made it myself yeah. you know so what the hell and uh anyway uh and then they um oh they also got a winch cover so they went to uh, a, a very uh nice uh made a nice purchase and uh, helped out uh, the xj talk show quite a bit Yep, looks like they even had a uh, six-inch uh, uh, winch strap, eight thousand pound max vehicle, twenty thousand pound. What is that? Web capacity? Capacity? Yeah, this is, a, this is a, a two-inch wide by six-foot long winch strap. So it's basically just a, a sort of intermediary strap. You kind of maybe throw that around a tow point, 
or um, this oh, that's one like a tree saver. Yeah, it could be a tree saver. It's a six foot is right about right for a tree saver. So I think that's what that is. Well, folks, uh, one last thing here in the uh, in the automotive uh, section here. We got uh, somebody purchased up uh, some Sylvania 6054 standard rectangular halogen sealed beams. Those are uh, something that would probably just be an OEM replacement. Yeah, I'll throw in real quick. Uh, we probably should do this on a Jeep tip, but the uh, Sylvania Silver Stars, along with a LMC truck harness, really any any harness that harness that will uh, allow you to get more current to those lights. Uh, but my, I know personally, I've done the uh, the LMC truck harness, which is like forty bucks shipped, and a pair of uh, the uh, Silver Stars. Man, it looks as good, almost as good as some nice uh, IFP headlights with uh, 80 watt fat boy bulbs and it's a lot cheaper yeah i actually uh i think back in somewhere i think in the episode 50s range uh i did an, an electrical and audio tips uh talking about that very same subject oh, so right yeah folks head back to our archives and see if you can't find that be some good information for you and speaking of information uh, we've got a, a whole bunch of bur- uh, books 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 that have been purchased here recently uh this is a, a very <laughs> interesting one the guide to getting it on a book about the wonders of sex. You know, I was looking at this, Josh, and I can hear it now. Now, honey, see, there's this segment on the XJ Talk Show, and they're they're wanting us to buy. I mean, you know, buy stuff so that they can talk and make jokes about it. <laughs> I swear, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> so now, here's one uh, near and dear to my heart, and also to uh, it was uh, a past guest. Uh, the High Performance Jeep Cherokee XJ Builder's Guide, 1984 to 2001. And uh, if you don't, if you haven't heard the uh, that past interview, uh, he did say he's writing a new one. Yeah, folks, that is a must-have book. I don't care if you're on your third or fourth Cherokee um, or if you're a veteran wheeler. That's just a must-have uh, for any library, any 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 Jeep enthusiast, any XJ enthusiast. You really got to pick up that book. It's a, it's a good read. It's got a lot of great pictures in it and a ton of really good information. If you're just getting into building your Jeep, I uh, want to know more about, uh, well, how to build it up. This is a great book. Yeah, and if you don't know, this is what it looks like holding it up to the uh, webcam right now for all our live viewers. This is the uh, this is the baby right here by Eric Zappi. Well, this is a, another very interesting book. Um, you know, I, I I don't know exactly what category this would fall in, whether it be the uh, the health or lifestyle. But this book simply is titled "Our Sexuality." Hobby. I think that would be hobby. Hobby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with a hobby horse. Well, this uh, this this next book title uh, would be also very interesting if we sort of take it out of context, which would be the inner circle. Uh, so I I don't know. I don't want anything near my inner circle. I'm thinking uh, a subtitle on that could be G Spot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, somebody's been buying some cell phone accessories. There is. Uh, I'll just uh, run through these real quick. There's a, a black rubberized hard case cover for a Motorola Droid Razor. Oh, you poor bastard! Uh, I probably shouldn't say that. I just. Uh, I had a. I had a, a Razor, and it was uh, actually that the Razor was fine. It was the smart first smartphone that I got was uh, also a Motorola. And it was uh, it was a load of crap, uh, but uh, somebody else got a uh, tech skin uh, for oh it's a screen protector for a Samsung Galaxy S4, which I have heard great things about, and uh, actually looked at one for my daughter for graduation. But uh, T-Mobile's doing some funky stuff, and it was only going to cost me 
$700 for the phone. Oh, oh is that all? Yeah. yeah. Or I could go to Walmart and get it for four. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, looks like, uh, oh, that's kind of strange. It's a, a screen protector with a lifetime warranty, Josh. So if, if something happens, I guess they cut you another piece of plastic. Yeah, I've got uh, on uh, on my phone, I've got the InvisiShield, uh, which is also a lifetime warranty. You just take it down to any one of their kiosks. If it, uh, if it gets dinged, nicked, or scratched, or otherwise starts to lift or peel, and it'll give you a new one. Is that, any, is that anything worth having? Absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many times uh, that mine has saved my, my screen. Uh, I, I'm one of those guys that has a lot of junk in his pockets. So, uh, <laughs> now, now you're bragging. <laughs> <laughs> occasionally, I will find myself leaning up against a vehicle or something like that with both my keys and my phone in the same pocket. And uh, uh, yeah, my screen is, is uh, well, it's no worse for the wear because of my InvisiShield. If it wasn't, hadn't been there, well, I probably would be on a new phone by now. Gotcha. Now, see, that makes more sense because, see, I don't do that. Anytime I get a phone, I get something, that a carrier that either goes on my pocket or goes on my belt. So my phone's always in its own little case. The only time it's not is if I'm wearing shorts and I've got an extra pair of pockets, you know, those little pockets that are on the side, multiple pocket type things, and I'll stick it in its, uh, its own little pocket. So that's why I don't have to do that, Josh. I always uh, I take care of the phone and make sure it's in the right place all by itself. I guess I'm just not that smart. <laughs> well, no, I th- it just might be a, a difference between, I mean, I've, I've been messing with cell phones since, gosh, for about 20 years, and I've always had a case. And uh, I, I see uh, people doing exactly what you're doing a lot, and I shake my head and go, you know, I, I just couldn't do that. I'd wind up cracking the screen, bending over for something, or sitting down. I see people carry it in their back pocket. Yeah, I, I, there's no way I do that. I see that all the time, and I was just like, well, how do you do that? There was a girl waiting uh, in line at the cafeteria the other day, and I swear to God, it's because the phone was in her back pocket that I noticed. But she had, it must have been a Galaxy Note, because this thing was huge. Yeah, and she had it in her back pocket, and at a good two-thirds of it, I'm not two-thirds, a good one-third of it was hanging out. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I, you know, I guess if you get used to it and you know not to sit down, but that's a lot of screen to break. Well, speaking of getting used to things, this is something I've never really gotten the hang of. It's a, uh, a Logitech wireless trackball. I agree. These are the things that instead of a mouse you use with your wrist and hand, this thing stays stationary and you move the mouse around with this trackball. It's just basically a little flick of the thumb. And I cannot for the life of me get the hang of those things. It's like an upside down mouse. You know, the, the, the mouse, the mises, the mooses. Before they were laser, uh, they had little balls on the bottom. So this is like you're, you know, you're playing with a mouse ball. You know, it's good. The, the mouse ain't complaining, but it's like you say, it's hard to, I don't know. I guess you get used to anything. Well, uh, there's been a, a whole bunch of Mises getting purchased, uh, getting bought in. Yes. <laughs> uh, another uh, Logitech uh, Trackman marble mouse. Uh, and to go with that, I think somebody else got something along the lines of this Logitech wireless wave combo. It's the uh, the MK550 with keyboard and laser mouse. And a laser mouse is where it's at. Yeah. And I'll say, uh, I wouldn't buy anything but Microsoft for the longest time. And then uh, Microsoft kind of went downhill with some of the products that I really liked. And they stopped carrying them. And they really didn't come out with anything that was suitable. So uh, I have tried some uh, some Logitech uh, keyboards and, and, and mooses, mises. And actually pretty good stuff. Uh, I, it's not bad. They do make some quality stuff. 
Yeah, I guess you uh, you might get what you pay for. I've had a couple Logitech systems that uh, I would constantly have to refresh the signal on with the wireless ones. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and so I, you know, I just uh, I I have a wireless system for one of my other laptops uh, that seems to be working fine. It's a Logitech, so I, you know, it's it's hit or miss with me, and it could just be you know luck of the draw, I guess. Well, you know, uh, that's one thing you can do when you buy these things at Amazon. They're they have a very liberal return policy. And uh, if it uh, a couple of years down the road, if it's not able to be returned, you have uh, the uh, the ability to go in there and put in a review. So because uh, I look at the reviews on Amazon.com, all in all, I you really do. enjoy buying stuff from Amazon.com. I, I have never had a situation where I was not satisfied with them. So if you're kind of holding back from from buying online, you'd like to help out the show. Man, don't worry about it. Uh, they'll, like I said, Amazon take care of you in nine different ways. They they are in the business to get your business. Well, guys, uh, we're going to move right along into some DVD action here. Uh, there's some a uh, couple really cool ones. Uh, I know this one would be one that uh, I would think I might find in Tony's library: building your AR-15 from scratch, uh, and a DVD of that too. So that'd be some cr- pretty cool, uh, pretty cool watching. I, I would guess. Yeah, and I want to I wanna thank who, I want to thank whoever bought that. But uh, if you guys, uh, uh, there's a lot of good information on YouTube as well. Oh, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fast Five: The Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Uh, another. Jeez, uh, uh, I think they're probably what up to seven or eight in that series now. They're going to be as bad as the Rocky series. Boy, yeah, they're going to jump the shark here sooner or later. Uh, apparently, the the latest one's doing pretty good at the box office. No. Yeah surprised personally so 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 in the the electronics uh somebody has gone out and bought themselves some uh headphones hopefully to listen to the show uh some jvc uh air cushion headphones black and you know for headphones to me that's the only color you should get yeah no you can't have any other color than black for headphones i don't know that's just my personal preference well geez you know this is something i didn't know that you could actually buy on amazon which is food especially in the gourmet food section. So this is uh, the uh, Artisana 100% Organic Raw Coconut Butter. Now that sounds very yummy. I'm a huge coconut fan. I love coconut, just about anything coconut. Mm-hmm. I'll eat it all up. And this next one is uh, Justin's Nut Butter. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but it's the Natural Maple Almond Butter. <laughs> you know... <laughs> How many wives get uh, get uh, damn scared when they open up the box from Amazon and go, "Honey, did you order some nut butter? <laughs> is it your birthday?" So anyway, well, yeah, here's a category, uh, Tony, in uh, mobile electronics. This is a uh, a category near and dear to my heart, and this is actually a, a company that I have. A, I've had a lot of dealings with Metra. Uh, they uh, they provide a lot of interconnect solutions and retrofitting solutions for aftermarket mobile electronics here. Um, in 1985 to 2004, Ford Lincoln Mercury non-premium sound wiring harness. Basically, it's going to hook up a wiring, uh, your, your aftermarket stereo to a non-premium, that means a non-amplified uh, Ford Lincoln Mercury. Uh, to go along with that, a uh, uh, what's the installation kit for the Ford Focus, a 1999 to 2002, a 2004 Mercury Cougar or Focus. That basically takes the uh, the large factory stereo and replaces it with the uh, smaller opening for an aftermarket stereo. 
Yep, and somebody purchased a. Um, see, Josh, you're much better at saying these uh, these names. Do you have any idea? Is that Sennheiser? Sennheiser. Sennheiser is a is a manufacturer. They actually uh, do make some very good headphones. Looks like somebody picked up a set of professional series headphones, nonetheless. Yep, I'm using the 280, uh, the the Sennheiser 280. So. Uh, these were recommended me rec- uh, recommended to me from uh, a representative at Full Compass, and uh, he, he wasn't kidding, man. They're nice. Uh, I, I wanted to get some good stuff so I could hear what what the show sounded like uh, when I was editing it, and uh, I've been very happy with these. Lots of good bass. <laughs> Lots of good bass in your ears. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I personally use the uh, the Sony Studio Edition, uh, the MDR series, uh, like seventy sixes or something like that. Nobody He's, cares. I'd, I know. I've, I know what he cares. I've, I've had these headphones for probably going on 15 years or more. And, uh, oh, that says a lot right there. Yeah, they, they still perform exceptionally well. The, the foam is a little bit worn out, but uh, geez, I think you can get a set of replacement foam pads for about 7 bucks on Amazon. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, the, the sound equipment is very handy, and a good set of headphones is very nice just listening to anything. Um, I still I, I have yet to see a, a a decent set of wireless headphones that have the quality and the staying power that the wired ones do. Uh, so I'm kind of a wired guy. So anyway, uh, Office products. Somebody got a um, oh okay one of these labelers, the Brother M two thirty one half inch black on white tape uh, P touch labeler. They got a Brother tape cartridge probably to go with that. Uh, also, too, somebody picked up an Epson Workforce Pro GTS 50 document scanner. I wouldn't mind having that. Uh, I probably wouldn't use it that often, but it's very handy to be able to scan some things, especially whenever somebody sends you something and they want it signed and and then they want it faxed back and all that, it's that crap. Get a, docu- right. get a document scanner. You can scan it in. Uh, usually put it in a PDF, uh, an editable PDF, and then edit it on your computer and then attach it in an email. I mean, come on, faxes were the 90s, man. Well, that uh, that Brother P-Touch is a really cool little device. Uh, those things, are, are uh, they come in quite handy for all kinds of stuff. So uh, thank you for uh, whoever purchased that. Again, oh, we, don't, we don't know who's buying any of this stuff. We just figure out what you guys have been purchasing. Yeah, some people tell us. Uh, nobody ever told us about the, uh, the marital aids, the... Uh, oh, yeah. The teeth chatterers that we had a few, back, a few shows back, but uh, it's okay. Uh, actually somebody did tell you, didn't they? Yeah. And I forgot who it was. I'm not going to call him out even if I did remember, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I'm, when it comes to that sort of stuff, the, uh, the very off the wall marital aid devices, uh, you know, somebody, somebody definitely throwing us a curveball on, on those. And and they took credit where credit is due. So we, uh, we definitely had some fun with that. And I'll mention that you can use those, those marital aids, even if you're not married, hell, you can be by yourself. That uh, could be a lot of fun potentially. <laughs> You know, but, we were talking about uh, we were talking about the zombies earlier, and uh, and and this just it looks like we've got even more zombie stuff here, Tony. What do we got? Yep, got the uh, zombie hunter embroidered patch. I don't know who Frank uh, Weedman is, but uh, apparently he's uh, made this patch. A uh, zombie. This is the one you mentioned earlier, wasn't it? The zombie outbreak response no, team is, green skull. Is, yeah, that's something totally different. That's oh, is a, it? Yeah, it's, it looks like they got a, a five-inch uh, decal sticker. It's a vinyl decal sticker, so chances are this is something that's going on somebody's Jeep, I would guess. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, we have lots of XJ Talk stickers, and they're six inches, six-inch uh, diameter. 
uh, white vinyl. Uh, you can just uh, jump over to xjtalk.com, go to the store, and uh, pick one up. You should have one. Uh, one. We need one for the show, you know? Maybe I, maybe I can get some, some red letters just that says show, and you can buy it as an add-on and just stick it over top of the XJ Talk sticker. Yeah, a little retrofit. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, I had come up with the idea of doing the same thing with the word band, and everybody was interested in having the band sticker, the add-on over top of the sticker, just so they kind of be an xgtalk.com badass, I guess. It was hilarious. <laughs> I checked into the prices, and just having the band thing was was too expensive but uh, to really make it worth, uh, worth the while. But uh, I think we've banned a total of about three people that weren't spammers, uh, if, if that many. So everybody just wanted it to be cool. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, some cool stuff, this is probably something that you could have used earlier while you were scarfing down some uh, some dinner uh, a little bit ago. This is the Bucket Boss brand uh, 83200 Super Bib. <laughs> yes. Uh, definitely need a bib. Not just any bib, but a super bib. Of course. Well, the I mean, you know, maybe it has the big letter S on it. Oh, man, that's a good point. <laughs> it's perfect perfect place for the S to be, too goes with our intro for today's show. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, while wow, uh, Rubber uh, Hogue, which is a, a great brand, a rubber grip for uh, a small size grip sleeve. So, those things are kind of universal. Somebody probably put, probably put it on their conceal and carry. Probably a I've subcompact. Seen, I've been seeing a lot of those pop up on this list uh, the last few months. Uh, it's obviously a very popular item. Yep, I I can't remember if I have got a Hogue on my uh, my Glock 40 or not, but I have a full size Glock that I put a uh, uh, put one of those uh, rubber grips on just to, and actually it probably would be better off on the subcompact because the subcompact 40 is a little harder to hang on to than the the full size. But somebody also got a, a Mossy Oak Stillwater shotgun case, uh, always a good thing to have. Uh, oh, and uh, this is the one you read: the Zombie Outbreak Containment with Skull T-shirt. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, there's the super bib that you read and, uh, toys and games. Uh, uh, oh, monkey. What is that word? Kig, kigurmi, kigurmi, adult Halloween costume pajama. It doesn't get any better than that. Or maybe it does. Cause here's one, uh, a wolf. What, what Josh said, adult yeah. <laughs> pajamas, Halloween custom costumes, wolf. You know, I'm gonna have to go look at this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to figure out because I, I I know what cosplay is, um, but this I, I don't I'm not familiar with the Kigurumi. Uh I'm I'm guessing it's obviously maybe something Japanimation of sorts or ah uh, yes along those lines. We have a monkey and we have a wolf. Unless we've got what are those uh, what are those people that like to dress up in in fuzzy uh, animal costumes and do weird things? Um, I am not aware <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah, it's a boy, it's a whole nother fetish out there. Just found out what you bought. Oh my god! I just can't believe that made it on the list. <laughs> and remember, guys, we uh, we try to include everything that everybody buys. We do occasionally skip a few uh, for time, but we tried to hit everything on the list. We really appreciate you guys going to Amazon.com and uh, purchasing these things. And if you'd like to get on the list, all you have to do is go over to xjtalk.com. On the very front page, you'll see an Amazon.com uh, banner. You click on that banner, it'll take you to Amazon.com, and now we are, we are guaranteed to get a little piece of that purchase. All Every purchase that you make, a little bit will go to xjtalk.com and the xjtalk.com show. So 
it's it's really that simple. Just click on the banner, and then for the next, I think it's like the next 24 hours that uh, any place you go, as long as you haven't clicked on somebody else's banner, uh, we'll get the credit for it. So it doesn't cost you anything more. It's the same exact price that you'd pay whether you clicked on the banner or not, but we get a little something. And, uh, you know, better us having it than the government, right? Absolutely. Well, you guys have been uh, clicking quite well, so keep up the good work. We appreciate it. Got a tip? We do. It's time for Jeep Tips. Well, uh, you know, I wish I had the the glory hallelujah and the angels singing and the cherubs uh, giggling that I could play. And had I thought about it, I would have found something. Damn it, Josh. You know, the you know, just something. The skies part, the beam of light shines down. Right. Sing. Yes. You, you, you wake just, up. You wake up in the driveway. Your underwear is on backwards, and your ass hurts. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's an alien abduction. That's something completely different. A different kind of light coming down through the clouds. Well, Tony, it sounds like you've got some really good news for us. I'm hoping so. I have gone now a full week with something that I believe has resolved my uh, coolant issues. Now, uh, a, a quick. Uh, Reader's Digest uh, review. Uh, about five years ago, I was having some issues on the highway uh, with uh, heat creep. And uh, I probably had about mm, 160, nah, I guess probably 130, 140,000 miles uh, on the, uh, the 98 Jeep Cherokee. And um, I got all kinds of opinions. Uh, probably my favorite was well, it's those damn headlights. You got too many, you got them too many KC lights there in front of the grill. And my friend Bubba did that and he couldn't see or cool his engine. So I needed to remove that. I needed to remove the winch and I needed to remove my custom built, uh, personally designed bumper because all that was causing a problem. Well, as I explained to everybody, and I really appreciate your your input. I really do. It, just, it was just a little infuriating hearing the thing about the lights on the winch for the 10th time. And, uh, you know, you have to repeat this over and over again. I had the problem after I lifted the vehicle. A long time before putting any of the fun stuff on there, just the, the standard lifted vehicle, I had that problem. So anyway... Uh, I tried a CSF uh, all-metal radiator. Uh, I tried a, uh, many years later, uh, I tried another radiator. Well, let me back up. I tried the CSF uh, uh, all-metal radiator, so obviously that couldn't be it. So then I tried a high-flow water pump, and that improved things, uh, you know, like off-road and uh, sitting in traffic. did make things better. Still had a highway heat creep. So really, this is a load issue. And you may read about this from time to time on various websites where people going up steep grades or off-road and they're crawling, uh, doing a lot of crawling, a lot of uh, heavy load type stuff, uh, or, or pulling a trailer. Uh, the you, you, the cooling will just, uh, it, it'll just go up and up and up and up, and then you've got to turn it off because you're hitting the, the 250 or whatever it is. So this is, the, this is kind of a common issue. Um, so... Anyway, um, then I, I tried a high-flow thermostat, a high-flow thermostat housing, uh, and again, low RPM, uh, low, even under load, low RPM, idle, great, worked great. And people were telling me that this is going to be more of, of that addressing that issue. 
So um, anyway, uh, tried a bunch of different things, and you know, I got a kit so I could check for uh, a leaky head gasket or even a cracked head. Uh, I didn't think I had a cracked head, but you know, it's worth checking. And is I, that what they call a, uh, a leak down test? Uh, actually, it's the chemical one where you suction up uh, some of the water from the coolant after the engine has been under load, and uh, you you suck up the coolant into the uh, the little tube, and there's a chemical that you put in there, and if there's any um, uh, exhaust gases in the uh, coolant, the liquid will change colors. Oh. And I don't think I did it right because I got a positive uh, result. And I say I don't think I, I did it right because – uh, one of the one of the reasons why I moved forward with uh, getting a new engine in my vehicle was this coolant issue, because it must be a, a head leak or a head gasket leak, and I'm just going to resolve it by putting a new engine in there instead of rebuilding the old one. And the reason why I did that was really more of a time uh, thing because I didn't want to have the Jeep down for a month basically, because uh, you know it's my daily driver. And uh, so anyway, put the, the, the brand new engine in it, and the coolant problem was worse. When we were test driving it after putting the, the new engine in, it got to 230. And this is with the high-flow thermostat, the high-flow thermostat housing, the high-flow water pump, and a brand new stinking engine. And when I say brand new, of course, rebuilt. But the, the shop uh, that Matt took it to went through all of it everything so very frustrating and also but a great clue <laughs> it's not the head <laughs> the head's not leaking and you know to have the benefit of, of having a new engine so <laughs> that so the engine was changed in september so anyway uh as time has progressed and i think the engine was just a little tight at the time as time has progressed it didn't really hit the 230s unless I was running the air conditioner on a day where it was uh, above 85 degrees outside. And all I had to do uh, was turn the air conditioner off and uh, the uh, the temps would drop down to about 224, which is still, I don't like. Yeah, that seems a, a little bit high even for my liking still. Uh, even though, I mean, you're in Texas, it's hot there. Things are probably going to run a little bit warm as it is, but that, that still seems a little bit high for my liking. Yeah, it, for me as well. But uh, when you're seeing 230, 235, if it's 224 uh, and, and the performance, it's still performing like it would normally, uh, then uh, it, it, you know, you're just thankful for what you got. So anyway, I um, <laughs> was directed by a uh, xjtalk.com member via PM to a, another website. And, and I apologize, I, I don't have the website information in front of me. Uh, it is in uh, the uh, the post on xjtalk.com. Let's take a, a quick step back, Tony, because didn't you also replace your heater core? Yes, uh, the, le- the heater core did have a problem. It was leaking, but it was okay. not the answer to the solution. And one of the things I had done in years past was bypass bypass the heater core with a hose as a test. I just wanted to make sure that we're, we're basically going through the entire lineage of, oh, yeah. of the whole process and everything that you went through in regards to the cooling system and everything that's been done to it along the lines. Oh, and there's also uh, one of the things people had suggested was the, uh, the lower hose was collapsing. I have the little coil of, of metal in there. I've always kept that in there because I did not want to run the risk of uh, that happening. Uh, and do you know why that happens? 
why that lower that lower line collapses like that? Well, it gets hot and uh, it's under pressure. Uh, I mean, it's under suction, so it. Uh, I think it uh, because of the the flexing of the hose. You know, if uh, have you ever had one rupture on you? Because that's uh, that's the well, one that'll not, blow out. Not on the Jeep, I haven't. Yeah, if uh, if you guys, it's happened to me on the '98, and it's happened to me on the '99. Uh, I should have replaced that as soon as we got the 99, not knowing how old the hose was. But I would recommend replacing that lower hose every couple of years. I mean, I'd replace them all. It's not that big a deal to do the upper, the lower, and the heater uh, heater core uh, hoses. Um, but uh, certainly uh, replace that lower one because it, it will split and dump all the water out. And then you'll be reading air temperature in the thermostat housing on the, yeah. 90, on the 97 pluses. And uh, that that air temp might be just fine. And and actually, I had had that happen to me. <laughs> it was reading two ten, and she was a happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, heater core was uh, was recently replaced, and I think an interesting side effect uh, to having uh, virtually everything new, um, beyond virtually, it was everything was new. All the hoses, the heater core, the engine, the water pump. Uh, uh, the thermostat, the thermostat housing, all brand new. And I hit uh, 235 about uh, two weeks ago and with the AC on, and I left it there. I wanted to see if it was going to overheat because that's always been my concern. Once it gets very far past the 210 mark on the uh, the dash, it's going to go critical instantly. It'll, it'll go, it'll go so far to that, up to that second notch past, I'm sorry, the first notch past 210. And then in a blink, it will go over to the 250. So that's been my biggest fear. And that's why I've always wanted to keep it at 210. Well, it didn't, it stayed at 235. I was watching it on my OBD2, uh, the torque app and my, uh, OBD2, uh, Bluetooth scanner that I had plugged in. So I was monitoring it digitally and it got to 235 and it wouldn't go any further. And I checked the, uh, the water the next day, the coolant, I should say, and uh, it none of it none of it got dumped. So, with a properly uh, acting, um, properly uh, I won't say engineered, with everything as it should be in the cooling system, it doesn't boil over. Uh, and that was also to a uh, I probably bought twenty um, <laughs> twenty of the uh, radiator caps, the sixteen psi radiator caps. Just because people have suggested them, they're, they're not that expensive, and, you know, what the hell, maybe it could be. Uh, and certainly I was getting coolant dumped on the ground. Well, at 235, it would not go past 235. It was rock solid, and uh, it didn't dump out any of the coolant. So a properly, and I've read this many, many times, a properly set up cooling system is able to handle that heat. Can I, uh, let me ask a, it will probably a, a stupid question here. Uh, have you replaced the coolant temperature sending unit throughout all this? Yeah. I think maybe you had uh, asked me that once uh, before and I had done that. Um, but, uh, the problem was, and I bet you'll remember when I, when I mentioned this, the problem was that's my measuring stick. Right. And even if it's wrong, it's how I'm measuring what's going on with a cooling system. Yeah. I remember so, you saying that. Now. Yeah. So even if it was 20 to 20 degrees off, if I make a change and I change my measuring device, man, what I, I have no idea. I mean, blind. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a crapshoot at that point. So 
I put, uh, it dawned on me one day and it was just like what you had said, you know, did you try that? And I'm like, you know, I haven't, let me try that. And then I was, I was looking at stuff and, and it was different. It was higher. It reads higher with the, the replacement that it did with the factory one. And I, I, I thought about what was going on and maybe two, three, four months later and actually longer than that, maybe it was a year later. I, I, I went, duh, what am I doing? I changed my measuring device. And I went and tried to find the old thermostat housing because I thought that's because I, re- I replaced the thermostat housing and the thermostat with a high flow at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went and found it, <clears throat> put it in there, and my temperatures were lower. <laughs> so, it, you know, the cooling was the coolant system was still doing the same thing it was doing before. I didn't change anything by making it cooler. I just put the measuring device back in. And yeah, sure enough, it, it acted more like what I was used to seeing for, you know, keep in mind, I bought this thing new. So I have many, many years of watching those gauges. So it, it might be a little different from the, the, the Joe Smo that goes and buys a, a used uh, Jeep Cherokee and they've had it for a year. I mean, at that point, really, I mean, it's a good idea to, to move your, not to, not to change your measuring device, but you don't have all these years of, uh, uh, of history with the vehicle. Right. So anyway, did that. And uh, it wasn't until recently that I read this, uh, this article on the website, 50, 50 plus pages uh, on this site and uh, about a new uh, Cherokee. It was a 92, I believe. And uh, this lady had bought and she had just all kinds of uh, on the highway issues and uh, even had an XO cage. I'll have to uh, put that, uh, that link up in the show notes because it's a cool build. Yes. They, they bought it that way, but uh, nonetheless, it's still a cool build. And uh, they wanted to, I mean, they're big-time uh, off-roaders. They go to Moab and everything else, and they have a Cherokee. Uh, I think they had a Cherokee prior, but they also have a, a Wrangler. But this Cherokee was going to be the one going out and going all these places. You know, of course, Cherokees are great. Longer wheelbase than a Wrangler, and uh, you can carry a lot more crap with you. So anyway, um, and <laughs> like I said before, it was one of those uh, posts that you're, you're reading, you're reading, you're reading, and, oh, my God, there's actually a solution. And it went from the standpoint of uh, she had bought a CSF all metal radiator. Oh, she, that's familiar. Yeah, she had bought a uh, a, uh, a single uh, row, uh, one and a quarter inch diameter uh, tube size all aluminum radiator, <laughs> which is what I did too. And then most recently, I believe uh, she had purchased an Eagle all aluminum radiator, uh, two row, I believe, which is what I had in mind at the time that I was reading this article. None of those worked. None of those made it any better for the, 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 the coolant temperatures under load. Not until she bought a factory Mopar metal plastic radiator. Really? She put that in and no more cooling issues. So I wow. found one online. I think it was uh, factorymoparparts.com. Uh, uh, don't quote me on that, but it was something like that. I found it uh, for $127 and uh, like $14, $15 shipping, which I thought was great for a radiator. For the $140, it was at my door within a week. And I installed it uh, last weekend, weekend before last last weekend yeah Yeah, last weekend because i've i've driven it a week and it instantly 
instantly the day I was going to work. Now mornings, it, it always, the cooling is just fine because it's, you know, at worst case, maybe 80 degrees outside, uh, even in June. So I never have any issues in the morning, but that, that Monday afternoon coming home instantly made, you could tell a difference. It takes a, it takes about uh, eight miles, seven, eight miles before the coolant temperature starts to get above 210. Well, it was, uh, I think it was about 85, 87 that day. Uh, I saw 212 for a moment, literally a moment on the OBD2 uh, readout. It was at 210 with the AC on all the way home. And, and it, that's 20 miles stop and go traffic. It takes me an hour. I bet your eyes were darting back and forth to that gauge just nonstop. <laughs> just hey, I'm, uh, hey, buddy, I'm used <laughs> to it. <laughs> I've been doing that for a long time. So the, the next day, and we had a hot week last week. So the next day, it was uh, closer to 90, 92 or something. And uh, I think I saw 212 for a longer period of time. Uh, the next day, I think we had some rain or something, and I really didn't even pay attention to the temp. I, I certainly didn't run the run the scanner. Uh, and uh, by the way, I, re- I recorded all the information, and you can actually see the uh, the graph of the the, the temps on uh, xjtalk.com on my post. So, um, and so of that's course, the, that's the trick. So it's uh, now this is a the a single core. Is that right? Single I, core with the with the plastic tanks. I believe it's a dual a, a two row. Uh, factory Mopar radiator for a 92. Oh, well, that's the uh, the engine that you're running is a 92, right? No. Oh. And there was a problem with this radiator in as much as, now you have a 99, and have you changed your radiator in that? No. Uh, have you had the, the, the top off so that you can see the radiator? Oh, yeah. So you know it has those little rubber rubber bumpers at the top that the the top panel bolts to. Oh yeah, yeah. Hold, holds the radiator to the top, keeps it from moving around. You know, keeping it out of the fan. the The radiator that I got didn't have any place to put those. Oh. Now it had little slots, like you would slide something in the slots. Okay. Like like you know like bolts you know with because uh, that's really what what you have on on the radiators that I've bought in the past. They're either soldered straight onto the 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 header of the uh of the radiator right uh, or there's something there's like bolt uh headless bolts sticking straight up and you you take that little rubber bumper and you put it on there and you bolt it down and now that one bolt sticks up uh through the uh, the, the top panel to hold the radiator in place so it, it had little slots so i, I quickly found uh some uh, screws uh some bolts the right size uh, they would not fit in the slots, so I took my grinder and ground off enough where I could get it to wedge into those slots and then took the thing and stuck it on there. And it was almost like a factory deal. I was really happy that I was able to mod that thing so quickly. And then I went to put it in, and I went, hey, what else is missing? It didn't oh, have a place yeah. for the condenser. So uh-huh. there's these little tabs with little circles that keep the condenser, hold the condenser top in place. Okay. It's got some little rubber bumpers and a place where you, you, you yeah. it just sits on there. I don't even think that there's a screw, uh, a bolt or a nut or anything. It just sits in there to, to hold it back off the radiator. So I stuck the radiator in there, and just because of the, the way the condenser is set up, it has a little rubber uh, ring around that bolt. And where, yeah. and where it touches the radiator, 
that that nice uh, half inch rubber ring basically was touching the top of the radiator, not the fins, but the you know the 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 little section at the top. Mm-hmm. So uh, it kind of held itself back from away from it. So I said, screw it. I'm going to put this on there now and I'll worry about standoffs later. So it is not a direct fit. It does require some finagling, but I, I, and I, and when I was looking up the radiator, I saw that it wasn't for a 98. I saw it wasn't for a 95. The engine's a 95, the, uh, which really shouldn't make any difference. And, uh, but the Jeep is a 98 and that is, I think that's the critical part that you have to go with because the, the condenser and everything else. Yeah, it's got to fit the body more than it really has to fit the engine. Right. But I figured, uh, and actually I asked Matt, and uh, he says, nah, it should be the same. Um, and I guess technically it was, but there may be something with the earlier models, something that you have to take off of the radiators that are on those. They maybe have little bolts or something that slide in those slots that I've never seen because I've never had anything that's any uh, any newer than a, 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 90, uh, a 98. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, uh, I didn't want to, even though there was some question about whether it might not f- may fit properly, I didn't want to try a different radiator. I wanted to try the one she tried that solved her problem. Oh, okay. Because so I, that, it's that's, almost, what I gonna, that's what I was going to get to is, is was this a, a shipping error or an ordering error, or did you purposely get one that w- didn't match your vehicle? Um, yes, I purposely got one that didn't match the vehicle. Uh, it, it was a concern and I thought I'm going to try it anyway because, um, you know, one thing Matt said that it'll fit and it did, uh, but there was some, there was some slight differences and you need to take into account, take that into account. If you're going to, you need to give yourself a little extra time. Maybe if you don't have the, the, the right stuff, you need to go have some extra time to go down to the auto parts place or to Lowe's or something to pick up the bolts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, or, or maybe there's a kit that I'm unaware of that, sh- that actually go with this type of radiator, this year model radiator. But there, then again, uh, it's almost a superstition at this point because I've, I've tried so many things. I've done so much stuff. I've spent so much money uh, in the process of trying to resolve this issue that I didn't want to deviate from what the success that somebody had. And this wasn't an immediate success uh, that they were reporting. This is something that they had uh, put this radiator in and then driven a very long way, off-roaded the, the vehicle, and drove a very long way back. And it was good the whole trip. So this was a big thing. And I'll be honest with you, I did not expect this thing to fix the problem. But I will say this, when I got that one core, uh, I'm sorry, one row radiator, uh, all aluminum, I'm sorry, no, it was aluminum radiator with plastic tanks off of Amazon. It was, there was a difference. So it did somewhat point to a radiator issue. Now, I can't for the life of me, and I'm, I'm almost willing to go buy a couple of radiators new and cut them in half just so I can understand what the difference is. I, for the life of me, I cannot understand why an all aluminum two row radiator would not be better than the Mopar. It's got to be flow rate or something. 
Yeah, I was just going to say it, it. It very much sounds like it's going to come down to flow, the way the act, the water actually flows through. And uh, through my research, Tony, if you actually want to try something along those lines, there's a company called um, uh, what is it, Vista Pro, uh, Vista Pro Automotive LLC, and they sell the um, 91 through 2001 Cherokee radiators for eighty nine dollars. Obviously, you're going to probably have to. Uh, uh, Get, get pay for shipping or something like that, but uh, you check them out, uh, and they will um, they sell them for eighty nine dollars all day long. Yeah, but that's not a uh, that's not a Mopar. No, well, no, no it's supposed to be a, a direct OE replacement. It's got all of the uh, the ports and 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 spots for, and it's even got those mounting tabs you were talking about. But uh, this is the plastic core. I mean, I'm sorry, the plastic uh, tanks with the uh, with the metal core in the middle. Okay, but I want but I want you to understand this because I I didn't get it across to you and I may not have gotten it across to the listeners. Nothing has worked on this Jeep except factory radiators. I didn't have this problem with the original radiator, but I've had uh, when that radiator failed because of uh, some extreme overheating that occurred and the head got shaved and everything got put back together. About two three months after that. The, the factory radiator went out on me. I did not replace it with a factory radiator. That has never been my experience before. I could always do better in the radiator department with going in aftermarket. I've had uh, coolant issues, uh, coolant heating issues, since I didn't have a factory radiator. And I've had those cooling issues until I put a factory radiator back in the Jeep. So it is, it's only been a week, but last week was a very hot week here. Uh, Upwards of 100 degrees, I think we hit 95, 97. I didn't have any issues. Now, I did get up to 222 degrees at some point. I was almost home, and I was running the air conditioner. Um, And and I'm not babying this thing, so, you know, I'm, I'm pushing it to see what it's doing. And I promise you, I was used to seeing 224 with the air AC off. So. Well, I'd say you, uh, you've definitely taken the, uh, the, the step in the right direction. Uh, this very, may very well be the fix. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very, very interesting and very good tip. If, if somebody's going through these kind of overheating issues and they've, they've thrown basically every other part at the solution. Um, sounds like a new OEM Mopar replacement. Uh, radiator is going to be the way to go to fix this. And you can find them online. Uh, they're they're really not very. I mean, uh, what did I say? One hundred and twenty-seven bucks. Yeah, That's not like bad. That. I, I paid one hundred and eighty for the all aluminum uh, off of eBay, the Eagle uh, radiator. Mm-hmm. I, I paid um, one hundred and forty for the uh, one row off of Amazon aluminum plastic one. So, you know, I'm, as far as price goes, I'm pretty happy. Now, uh, I want to jump into this real quick because uh, I don't know how many people have this issue. Um, it's, it's all fine and good to have a, uh, have a Jeep that's running along and, and not running hot. <laughs> but if, uh, if your ch- teeth are cracking and uh, you have to keep pulling up your pants every time you hit 55 miles an hour for the, from all the, the jarring that's going on, well, that's probably drive line vibrations. Uh, it could be could be your tires. Could be uh, you know uh, if you're getting some death wobble, it might be time to uh, rotate and balance. 
But uh, in my case, I was uh, was pretty sure that uh, after uh, dropping the uh, uh, dropping the last uh, notch on the uh, uh, rough country shackles, and then adding the shackle uh, shackle relocation brackets from uh, Ironman, I was pretty sure my pinion angle was not right. Now I do have a uh, an SYE. Uh, oh yeah, I wanted to uh, mention uh, Josh. You mentioned earlier that you had got a 242 and you had limited uh, choices. I have a 242. And my SYE is the short shaft that from, from Tom Woods. So that's that is not a, a cheap kit. Um, no, it's not out there. Uh, I think with with Core, uh, it's still like a seven or eight hundred dollar um, option. Now, now it is an option, but it is a very expensive option. Well, let me correct you. It's nine hundred dollars ah for everything. That's and, a, but that's, that's including a drive line, if I'm not mistaken. Is it drive shaft? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very nice drive shaft, and yeah. and I think I upgraded. I I, I got uh, an upgrade for the for the drive shaft as well. But anyway, uh, it's nine hundred bucks, but you get uh four something back on your core. Right, and it's the uh, that when he says core, this is actually the output shaft of the two forty two transfer case. You have to drop your well, you don't necessarily have to drop your case, but it makes things a little bit easier. But yeah, you do have to split not. the case apart. And uh, and and pull the output shaft uh, for the, the rear output shaft out, and and that's what you're going to send back to Tom Woods. It's actually the entire shaft. There's no there's no uh, pieces. That's one shaft. So you take the the whole shaft out and pull all the gears and stuff off of it, right? And right. move it over to the shaft that they send you that has the hole drilled in the end. So it mm-hmm. it's basically a hack and tap, but the the shaft is much shorter. And then they, you get the the drive shaft with the double cardigan uh, on there, and it's 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 really nice. I mean, uh, the only thing that I didn't like about it was I didn't know that there was bearings. There was needle bearings. They're really big. Uh, there's there's bearings in there that aren't held by anything. <laughs> you start sliding stuff off, they go everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a uh, I had a, a, a two forty two rebuild kit, so I had new bearings that, oh, I, nice. that I put in there. So. I actually did a real nice job. I replaced a lot of stuff in the 242. Everything that I could that I could take out, I was able to replace. So anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, so it was about 450, which is it's still expensive, but it's it's a short shaft. It's uh, so you don't have as much uh, um, what do you call it uh, torque? Not really torque. The the sheer, sheer force. Yeah, the end thing pushing. And uh, with a, in a, a Tom Woods drive shaft, so I'm very happy with it. Uh, my problem was the upfront 900 bucks. Yeah. And oh, they get they want the the nose cone or the tail cone as well, the tail cone and the shaft. Yeah, uh, I went a different route. I went the hack and tap, which is basically along the same lines. I've got a little bit more sticking out of my transfer case than you do, probably. Um, and of course, even though we both have a double carton joint um, on the on the end of it, the uh, how it how it actually attaches to the transfer case itself is is a little bit different. I have a, a flange, which then has a, another piece that that mounts to that, which the double carton joint mounts to that. Uh, so I've, I've got like one extra piece into the puzzle uh, versus you. Right. Uh, and of course, I don't have that that very nice Tom Woods drive shaft. I've just got a uh, basically it's it was at one point the front drive line out of a um, out of a ninety five Grand Cherokee out of a ZJ. And when I had initially done all my measurements, I thought I was right there, and I had about an inch and a half of travel. Uh, I was wrong. I, I was actually about an inch and a half uh, too long, and so I had to have my drive shaft shortened. 
Uh, and a guy by the name of Brian, who used to work for a company called Driveline Tech, lives out here in my neck of the woods, uh, has a shop set up in his house, uh, these massive, massive, like three-car long lathes. And, and he did all the work for me, uh, charged me a great, very competitive rate, um, balanced the drive shaft, shortened it up. Uh, I had brand new Spicer U-joints that were going in it anyways. Um, I gave him those. He threw on a fresh coat of paint for it. And I have wheeled the piss out of that thing and no complaints, not, not a one. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, I just went that direction cause you know, I'm, uh, I just like, I don't want to, I don't want to risk anything, especially with oh. the daily driver. So absolutely, I, I was able to do it and I did, but anyway, uh, so, uh, just a, a little correction. You can do a, uh, they do make kits for the 242 and, uh, Tom Woods has one and that's what I put in, in my rig cost about four twenty five, four seventy five, I think. Uh, after uh, after the uh, after they got the core back and, and refunded me some money, so um, anyway, uh, I uh, the RC shackles come with uh, shims attached to them, and Wait, I, now the shackles come. No, you mean the the leaves come with? Did shims. I say shackles? Yeah, the, you said shackles. Yeah, the the RC uh, leaves come with shims attached to them. So that that center bolt that you know holds the leaves together and also is your centering pin for the uh the axle yep um that uh, there's a there's a shim attached to that and uh i estimate that it's about a six degree shim so um they th- i think they do that to get your your pinion angle correct for their kit uh that has the the transfer drop right and, and of course uh if you guys don't know you're trying to set up your your output yoke and your or actually output shaft uh, on the non SYE on the uh, the slip yoke uh, type of installation the factory installation you're trying to get it parallel uh, get the yoke parallel on the uh, um, on the differential your rear differential uh, parallel with the uh, input shaft so if you if you were to measure the degrees on the the end of the input shaft uh, that should be the same angle. For both places so that it's basically um there's no uh tilt in the uh well no i guess there would be tilt in the drive shaft but basically the the u-joints have the same angle the the yoke and the output shaft have the same uh angle right because what's happening is if you have too steep of an angle basically you're you're bottoming out the u-joints inside the inside the ears uh, inside that yoke and and that's the vibration that you're feeling is that u-joint is basically bouncing off of the housing uh, or that that yoke, and and every revolution, it's bounce, 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 bounce. And the faster you go, the the more that vibration is gonna, it's gonna just increase as you increase the speed. Now, it's gonna be more prevalent in a certain RPM range, uh, and this is is due primarily to harmonics. It's just the way the vibrations are carried through the vehicle, and this is obviously a bad thing. This is causing damage. You're gonna wear out U joints. You're gonna wear out the yoke, the ears. Etc. And you're going to want to fix that. And there's only well, there's a couple ways to do that. You either drop the transfer case, uh, decreasing your your um, your your uh, ground clearance uh, to drop that angle back down, uh, or else you start shimming the rear end. Or in some cases, you have to do both. And the shimming basically uh, are these little uh, angular blocks, like little uh, triangles that are, are are flat and wide. And basically, you're you're adjusting the angle at which the um, the uh, the angle at which the, the differential the points, yeah, yeah, you know where the yoke is, where the pinion is attached to. Uh, it, it you're raising it or raising it or lowering it. 
Now, when you add an, an, a slip yoke eliminator, you're basically taking the output shaft and putting a, a, a another set or another U-joint uh, in the mix. And that changes the way you, you deal with the angles. Now you no longer need to have them set up parallel. You need to have the pinion that's on the uh, differential pointing at the uh, output shaft, or at, at this point, the output yoke, since you've put in the slip yoke eliminator. So um, I, I did a quick, um, I took the drive shaft out today and did a, uh, a, a pseudo, I mean, I could kind of eyeball it and see that it looked like it was pointing above the uh, output of the transfer case. So I took a yardstick, and uh, you'll see these pictures in the show notes. Uh, I took a yardstick and tried to put it on the end there on the bolt head uh, of the pinion and hold, yep. it, hold it flat against it and point up. And I bet you I was a good four inches above the, uh, the yoke on the transfer case. So I looked at it, and I was having a bit of a problem understanding. I think this is my same issue with left and right. <laughs> I was having a bit of a, a problem understanding. You know, but, but with that shim that was in there, Matt had actually sent me a, a, a pair of six-degree shims, and I was, I was thinking that I was going to have to add in another shim pack. And then I just laid there under the Jeep and was looking at it and tried to mentally picture what would happen if these shims were removed. What would happen if I added more shims? And I came to the yeah, I came to the conclusion that adding more shims would make me probably eight inches higher <laughs> instead of four inches lower. <laughs> so uh, I went through the process of taking the shims that come on the RC four and a half inch leaves off. And you know if the, the God bless it, those bolts were tight on those U bolts. Oh, yeah. And the, the U-bolts were too long for me to get the impact uh, wrench, uh, the impact, uh, uh, yeah, the air, air tool on the bolt. So I was underneath that thing with some three-quarter, with a, a three-quarter inch, uh, uh, not socket, a uh, a box end. Oh. Uh, Open-end box end combo. And uh, I had to I had to pull that off. I had to raise it up about an inch before I could get the socket on it with the impact. And then do you know that the, the nut was on there so tight because I think they use kind of one of those plastic insert deals inside there to so you don't have to have lock washers or anything. Nylock nut. Yeah, that I that I still I basically would run it until the air compressor would come on and then it would stop. It would wouldn't move very fast. So I went back to the wrench while the the compressor air compressor recharged. <laughs> and even at that, man, that those those nuts and the socket were hot. I mean, if I hadn't had gloves on, I would have been burned. So anyway, yeah. it took me uh, it took me about three and a half hours, four hours to remove the shims. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something in here really quick, uh, and and I haven't read anything other than just other people saying that you need to do this when you're when you're doing this type of uh, type of job. That if any time that you after an installation and um, any amount of driving that you decide you want to um, do a, a job like this, you have to replace both the U-bolts and the nuts. That they are not to be reused because of the amount of force uh, and, and the tension and the torque that these things are under, um, that those U-bolts get stretched out and that they're only good for one stretching. And that if you then reinstall them and put that much more force and torque and tension on them on the reinstallation, 
that they become weaker, uh, that they, they then again will stretch out a little bit further. And I know we're talking about metal and we're talking about stretching. It's, it's not something that you actually can see with the, with the naked eye. But um, that this, it weakens the U-bolts and that those bolts, well, because of the nylock, into, the nylock uh, insert inside those, uh, inside those nuts, rather, um, that, that they won't retain their bite on those U-bolts as much as they did originally. So, again, this is just hearsay. It's just a couple things that I've read over the years um, and, and something that, that I personally would consider uh, when I'm doing a job like that. Now, your results may vary uh, and something that you have heard may, may contradict what I'm saying, uh, but it's just something I figured I should throw out there. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've never heard or read anything about it, so I'll have to check into it. Uh, shouldn't be that big a deal, uh, especially uh, since I'll uh, uh, get something that allows me to uh, get all the way on that uh, on that nut, or I'll cut the the U bolts down with a uh, sawzall so I can get to it. But anyway, uh, real quick, if you do decide to do that, make sure that you put the nuts on first before you trim those uh, trim that the, the threads off, because that way you can back that nut off, and it will sort of chase the thread at the end of the bolt, uh, and it's going to make it a lot easier to get a new nut back on. Yeah, I was going to do that because that way I could just. Uh use the impact, take it off. Uh, yep. and also to it, it's a nice tight holding place. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, um, Oh, I see what you're saying with the new ones. I was just thinking about the old ones, but yeah, with the new ones. Um, anyway, the, uh, so after, after put taking the, the, the shims out and I compared it with the six degree shims that uh, Matt had sent me and they look to be six degree as well, uh, as far as I could eyeball tell. So, uh, I took, uh, got up underneath there, hadn't put the drive shaft back in yet got the uh the uh, yardstick and uh, man if it ain't dead on perfect uh my name ain't tony so it looks like it's pointing directly at uh the yoke the the differential is now the pinion is pointing directly at the yoke on the uh the uh, yoke of the transfer case now keep in mind guys this is this is the way you do it with an SYE if you've installed an SYE then then this is this is the correct way of doing it if you do not have an SYE then you will need to make sure that the uh, the pinion angle and the uh, the output shaft the end of the output shaft are at the same angle or within what is it, Josh? Four degrees? Five degrees? Oh, I think it's less than that. I want to say three or four degrees. Uh, it, it it is pretty tight. It's it's a relatively small tolerance as far as where you need to be. Uh, and the, the reason for this is because of the travel of the suspension. Right. That, that angle is going to change as the axle droops or compresses in the suspension range. Yeah, and really what you're trying to do is, and it's very important to measure these things as uh, with the, the Jeep sitting on a level surface because correct. you want the weight of the Jeep because you're trying to get the angle correct as the Jeep will be traveling down the road. And and yeah, if, uh, if, you're, if you're climbing up a hill at 50 or 60 miles an hour, uh, well, it's still pro- probably level, uh, taking uh, maybe a little off. Your pinion angle is going to be different, and you could get vibrations. But what you, what you this is more of a driving down the road at high speed uh, situation. Um, right. that, that that this vibration is critical. But anyway, so I have not test uh, driven the, uh, the the Jeep yet, so I, I do not know how it will perform. There there may be other things that are causing vibrations, uh, and uh, I'll I will address those. But certainly. Uh, with uh, this uh, this pinion angle uh, being much higher than the the transfer case, this is going to be a a good uh, potential uh, fix. 
And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be posting up on xjtalk.com what the results are, and, and we'll probably talk about it next show. Now well, I will. I'll, we're gonna we're gonna need a full report uh, next week, Tony. Yep. Uh, as long as I don't forget, you know, it's like one of those posts you do where you, you know, you go, "Oh my God, it's it's happening!" Blah 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 blah. It's fixed. Okay. Now I don't need to I don't need to worry about that anymore, and I won't post the solution. And so I I always try to thank the people whenever they come back and and post the solutions because it's very easy to uh, get a resolution and then you know I'm done with that. I can move on with my life uh, and then leave people hanging that have the same issue. But anyway, uh, so far, so good. Uh, cooling system uh, probably taken care of. Uh, feeling pretty good about that. Pretty optimistic. Uh, also, to uh, get the vibrations taken care of. And, you know, I should be able to head up to Conroe and get the, uh, get the, uh, the sliders uh, welded to the uh, unibody. Put those plug welds in there. And uh, maybe at the same time, we'll throw the uh, air locker in. Uh, that's going to be awesome. A great transformation, Tony, and I can't wait to see it and, uh, and, of course, hear about all the results. Well, guys, we went longer than what uh, I, I'm sure Josh and I intended. Uh, I have a tendency to get a little long-winded, especially when I'm talking about uh, such a passionate thing, such, such a critical part, part of my life over these past years, trying to get this cooling system in order. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping I'm seeing the, uh, the, the light at the end of the tunnel with this uh this cherokee and, and you know this is what you got to be ready for when you start making modifications to your rig and it doesn't matter if it's the jeep uh, a ford a chevy anything you're going to have uh anytime you deviate from the in- engineer's uh vision you're going to have to be doing a lot of work potentially if you if you've made modifications to your rig and it's gone great consider yourself lucky yeah sometimes uh we get into this sort of stuff and we uh open up a little can of worms or what some people might call a pandora's box yeah snakes vipers with teeth <laughs> so i want to thank uh, everybody for going to amazon and uh, making all those purchases uh you know i know we're thanking you guys a lot but you you don't have to click on our banner you don't have to go to the trouble of uh, uh remembering us before you go to amazon and and we just really really appreciate it Yep, I want to thank Nikki G for the voicemail. And folks, we'd uh, still encourage you guys to call in and uh, share your two cents. Uh, that number again, one last time, 530-675-4102. Yeah, and we did have somebody in uh, the chat room asking about the call-in line. Uh, we didn't have it tonight. That's my fault. Uh, I need to stop working on the Jeep on Sundays, uh, Josh, because it, it really puts me at, at a time crunch uh, for the show. But, boy, I sure am looking forward to tomorrow, seeing what the vibrations do. No, absolutely. Folks, we'll uh, try and get in some live calls uh, our next show. Uh, please head over to xjtalkshow.com for uh, all the good stuff, our entire archive and show history. Yep. So until next week, uh, this is Tony. And this is Josh. Have a, a very good uh, end of uh, the week, and uh, hopefully it's not going to be too hot where you are. Uh, I think we're looking at some more hot temperatures. Boy, it was a great time to get that cooling problem <laughs> resolved on the cheap, Josh. Just in the nick of time. Yes. All right, everybody, have a good night. Thank you. The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating. XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road.